Hi, welcome to Piloting. I'm Melissa. And I'm Renee. And we're your hosts. Piloting is a podcast for people who refuse to live on autopilot, where we celebrate risk takers, go-getters, and anyone craving a change. How are you doing today, Renee? I'm good. I'm recording from a hotel room, which is exciting. I'm on a work trip, but I feel really great. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great, especially because of the illuminating, mind-blowing experience I just had to prepare for this podcast, Dun Dun Dun, which is reading this book that we're going to talk about today. Yes. And before we get into this amazing book, because I, I know you and I have a lot to talk about. We want to spend a lot of time on the book. We wanted to introduce uh, an ongoing series that we're going to have on the podcast. It's going to be an informal book club. We both love reading. We don't always have the time to do as much reading as we can. But in addition to fiction and other things, Sometimes we like to read nonfiction just because it inspires us, it teaches us things. And in the context of piloting or making any sort of life change, I know I personally have really benefited from all sorts of books, not, you know, sometimes quote unquote self-help books. Other times it's business books, uh, psychology books, books that cover various topics. So we'll be doing this from time to time and hope that we can help introduce you all to some new books that might be helpful in your journey or just share our perspectives on some of your favorites. And Melissa, why don't you tell everyone about the first book in our book club series? I would be happy to. So we read together uh, a New York Times bestseller um, book called Set Boundaries, Find Peace, A Guide to Reclaiming Yourself. And this was authored by therapist Nedra Glover Tawab. And she is a licensed counselor, um, a sought-after relationship expert, and a very influential therapist on Instagram. And she has a pretty good following. Um, and she creates some really good content there. Um, and this book is exactly what the title says. It gives a lot of tools and walks through a lot of like exercises um, and information to establish healthy boundaries in all aspects of life. Um, so in the second half of the book, it has a chapter dedicated to boundaries within workplace, friendships, intimate partner, um, intimate relationships, family. Um, and I loved this one, our relationship with technology and social media. So um, a true 360 <laughs> of setting boundaries. Um, but first off, I think we need to define what the heck are boundaries. And then how does us having this conversation about unpacking boundaries relate to piloting? Um, so I'll take the first one because I'm just going to read it honestly straight out of the book of defining what a boundary is. So in this podcast, you might actually hear us flipping through this book uh, because we have a lot of bookmarks and a lot of pages that are highlighted in yellow. Yeah. So. Highlights, <laughs> post-its, bookmarks. I wish we could show you guys what's happening. It was felt like it was being in college again in a good way. I, I know. Maybe you get some double like ASMR with us flipping through these pages. <laughs> um, but I'm going to read the definition that Nedra puts about boundaries. And that is boundaries are expectations and needs that help you feel safe and comfortable in your relationships. Expectations in relationships help you stay mentally and emotionally well. Learning when to say no 
and when to say yes is also an essential part of feeling comfortable when interacting with others. (sighs) I think it was really great to hear someone who's very educated in this space define boundaries because so many times I can fall guilty in this short attention span economy that we live in now where I'll see a word like boundaries in an article headline or in a Mm. meme. And I'll just assume that I get the gist of what it is and I don't really do the work to understand and really learn things. I just kind of get little pieces here and there and feel like I have enough to start talking about it. Like I've frequently said things like my boundaries are important to me and (laughs) I have to have boundaries. So it was really good to have this level set from an expert of this is what they are. This is why they're important. And kind of, you know, she mentions in the definition you just shared the different kinds of boundaries, you know, it it affects your emotional life, your physical space. Mm. Like, it has, like you said, this 360 impact on your life. I like, yeah, I think something that was just so illuminating in this of like defining boundaries, it, it felt very back to basics, mm. which I think I desperately needed of like, oh, right. Like a boundary is more than just crossing a line. Like there's different types of boundaries, not just my time. Um, I think we'll, we'll probably get into this in a minute or later on in the podcast, but intellectual boundaries, like I didn't even know that was a thing mm-hmm. until she defined it for me. Um, and then also just that it really does connect every part and piece of your life. Like I didn't realize how much setting boundaries was interwoven into literally every slice of pie that you can possibly think about in your life. And that if you're not setting boundaries here, you're probably not sending boundaries here. And it's affecting like everything mm-hmm. is affecting one another and working off one another. Um, For sure. And before we get even further into this conversation, because I know we just have so much to talk about in terms of how unpacking boundaries relates to piloting, I will read a quote from the book. And it was funny because when we were prepping for this conversation, Melissa and I realized that we both highlighted this and that it really stood out to us. Nedra says, your boundaries are a reflection of how willing you are to advocate for the life that you want. And a few pages later, she says, all life changes require a shift in boundaries. And hmm. I I just loved her putting a a point on it like that, that boundaries, it's not meant to alienate people. It's not meant to put up walls or create distance. It's a Mm. way to advocate for yourself and the life you want and the way to bring your best self to situations and relationships. And just a reminder that boundaries are always shifting. And so if you're piloting, if you're making a life change, there are going to be shifts in your boundaries that will need to occur. Exactly. And that in order, yeah, in order for you to make the space to pilot something or even to think about piloting something, um, you have to say no, to say yes, to make that space for that thinking, for that energy. 
and you're going to need people who have your back in that. We talk a lot about community and who's going to help sort of like push you forward in the best way possible. And those people have to respect your boundaries. And if they don't, what I like about it is she wasn't just like, screw those people, let them go, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever. It was very much like tools and exercises and just thought process to repair that relationship. Um, and, she, you know, she mentioned something around if it's – if there's like a willingness in that relationship, you setting boundaries is only going to enhance it and make it better and if they don't respect your boundaries or it's not reciprocated or get questioned a lot or you get cut off, it was probably an unhealthy relationship to begin with. Yep. Yeah. The, the boundaries <laughs> just bring things to the surface that are already there. The boundaries are not creating new problems, which I think is very comforting because I know many of us have issues with boundaries in different spaces. I know, Melissa, you mentioned that the second half of the book is really great because it does break down different arenas. Mm-hmm. And going into this, I knew that there were some areas where I am better at setting boundaries. Like I have great boundaries in friendships. Mm-hmm. I have pretty good boundaries with family, good boundaries in like intimate romantic relationships. And I knew before I even started the chapter on work, that that one <laughs> was the one where I was like, let's just dip the pages in highlighter ink. I don't, I don't know what I'm highlighting at this point. The whole I, chapter. <laughs> yeah, you know the the burnout of these other things. I I knew I knew that was going to be a big one. But for someone else, like I have friends who have great boundaries in their work life, and it's different parts of their personal relationships where mm. you know they recognize that there could be an improvement. So, And, you know, for me personally, I feel like I have gotten a lot better about my work boundaries. Um, I feel like I had to, I had to get to a certain point in my career that totally, I mean, I feel like we all can relate. We, the pandemic didn't help, um, but also certain working conditions in working environments are, you know, that that isn't, that was definitely not a positive experience and that's creating burnout. And through reading this book, she talks a lot about living in this culture of burnout. Mm-hmm. And what stood out for me too is even though I don't feel that burnout today and I feel like I have for the most part you know, pretty good relationship with work boundaries, still have a work in progress there. Um but that I actually had a lot more control over my burnout than I thought I did. And yeah. when I read that, it was just more like, you know what? You're right. Like there, <laughs> there it, it, maybe it's, quote, to my fault for not setting my boundaries in the beginning and or having them be very – I think she uses the word porous boundary. Mm-hmm which is basically like a very flexible boundary where someone oversteps and you sort of let it slide and then it happens again and again and again. And then all of a sudden you're working every Saturday of 2021. Can you relate? Raise your hand. (laughs) Um, And so definitely not my life now, 
Um, and I'm, I'm happy and relieved to say that, but a lot of it is, it's not just on you though, but there is a lot that you can control. And then at some point you just have to, I don't know, put your foot down or leave, (laughs) which is what I did. (laughs) Yeah. I think one of the good things she does in this book is she never uses the phrase victim mindset, but she spends a Mm -hmm. lot of time, to your point, talking about ways that you can reframe your way of thinking to focus on how am I empowered to make change? What is my Mm -hmm. role and my behavior in this situation versus focusing on these are the external forces acting on me and I'm just at the mercy of this terrible friendship or I am just have to put up with having too much on my plate or having like friction all the time with my partner. Again, sometimes there are situations where we're not ignoring external factors and part of a boundary can be severing ties. Like you, mm-hmm. one of your boundary settings might be, I do need to leave this job. I do mm-hmm. need to end this relationship. I do need to reconsider how this friend or family member fits in my life. But I, I like I like that empowering focus because for me, I do best when I focus on the things that I can control and the ways that I can influence my path versus focusing on things out of my control because that just feels hopeless and not Mm -hmm. productive. So I I like that she very gently but firmly reminds you in each scenario, you have more control than you think. Yeah. And it for me, it makes you less reactionary. I'm guilty of this all the time. Like it is when something is when there's friction. Sometimes I just want to like run and hide and be like, you know what? Screw this. I don't deserve this. Mm -hmm. Um, And so (laughs) learning, I'm unlearning a lot of the behaviors maybe that have been brought, passed down to me or I've um, soaked up just from, you know, my 30 plus years living on this earth, Mm -hmm. seeing, you know, from other relationships, like that's what you do. That's how you fight. That's how you have a relationship. Um, this book was a lot of like unlearning of like, actually, did you, did you really though do enough to communicate? <laughs> did you set your boundary in a, in an assertive tone versus an aggressive tone? Melissa, I'm talking to myself in third person now. Melissa, <laughs> were you passive aggressive in that situation? And she walks through like all of those definitions, which was, some at some points really hard to read because you're like, uh, yes, that was me. I've definitely done that. I didn't communicate when I needed. And then when they repeatedly kept doing something, I was blaming. I was yeah. like, but they can't. It's common sense. You don't do that. You don't say things like that. You don't just ignore someone's boundaries. And then when I read this book, I said, mm. Yeah, but they don't know what my boundary was. And my boundaries are very different from other people's boundaries. And I'm making assumptions. Yeah. Yeah. I think the passive aggressive section was very – it hit close to home because, again, I thought I had an understanding of what 
passive aggression was. It's making mm-hmm. snide offhand remarks. It's posting, you know, strange <laughs> like quotes on your Instagram. And I mean, I haven't done that in years, but you know, stop. <laughs> You know, and like someone's going through a breakup and they just have a random Instagram post that says, on the other side of the rainbow is a star or something. (laughs) You're like, okay, she's going through it clearly. (laughs) We know what that means. Like I thought I had an understanding of those are Mm -hmm. examples of being passive aggressive. But she also talks about, and I think the way she phrased it was so, I don't know, it just, it really clicked for me is that passive aggression is also when you don't communicate your feelings with words, but choose to act them out instead. Mm. And I have been guilty of that, of not using words, but just letting a tone, a mood, a behavior or set of behaviors, you know, translate to someone how I'm feeling. But if I haven't Mm -hmm. said the words, I'm not being as productive and mature and communicative as I think I am. Like that's basically an adult tantrum is what I'm doing. Just because I'm not on the floor of a grocery store doesn't mean Ooh. that it's it's a mature response. And yeah, the book was just great because it taught me a lot about, yes, how to set better boundaries in the ways that I haven't been doing well in certain areas. But sometimes it also pointed out ways that I have crossed boundaries that I haven't thought about before. And, you know, (laughs) it's always good to learn (laughs) things about yourself because that's how you improve. But there were some examples that she put in there for various things. And I wish I could remember one right now. I'll probably, it'll come to me in this conversation of moments where I thought, ooh, yep, I, oh, I have an example. I have an example. Uh, One of my close friends, we lived together Mm. for a year in New York City. And a month before, we had already started talking to our landlord about re-signing the lease and getting all of our ducks in a row there. We were aligned that we were going to stay. She had been interviewing for jobs on the West Coast. I didn't know anything about this. And she had gotten a job and told me, I think like three and a half weeks before, I I thought, you know, I'm set with my living situation. She called me and said, are you going to be at home? Let's talk. And so she was doing the mature thing of, I want to have this conversation in person. I want to, you know, set a time where we're comfortable doing all of these things. And I was on the phone and I just kept pushing her boundary because I knew the minute she said she wanted to talk that there was something bad. And I didn't want to have the anxiety of the hour and a half until we were in the same physical space to have that conversation. I said, no, just like, tell me now, like, I don't want to wait. And then I pushed her to deliver the news that she was moving in a way that she didn't want to share it. And to be Mm -hmm. honest, was probably not the best way for me to receive the news either. And I mean, that happened many years ago and I've grown since then, but that was just one example of several that as I was reading, I thought, oh, I definitely violated a boundary of hers by pushing her to Mm -hmm. share information before she was ready in a setting that she wasn't ready. Yes, that information directly impacted my life, but that still wasn't the best way to handle it. And yeah, there's a couple of those moments reading it that I thought, oof, it's called growing pains for a reason. (laughs) Like it's, it's not always comfortable, 
kind of looking back on on the ways that you could do better, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, there are a lot of humbling yeah, good word. moments <laughs> in this book and yeah, I'm trying, you know, I'm trying to unpack some of the stuff that maybe surfaced when I was reading it as well. Um and for me a lot of it was like family stuff. Mm. And it was a lot of I've always you know, I, I think I, in this new season of life, like I'm, I'm, this book has helped me tremendously now, but I feel like I've been good at, oh, not, maybe not good, but I've been better at sending, at, at setting boundaries. Um, but to your point, like I, this, it, it, I didn't really spend enough time realizing if I've pushed boundaries mm. and maybe the cause of friction is not on the other person. Um, and this is just like a general now, but like, it's not just on the other person, but like, what have I done to push things to a certain point? Mm -hmm. And there is some like ownership and accountability there as well. And yeah, and this book was just like a good reminder <laughs> that, um, that anyone, and, and I'm not going to, I'm going to butcher this quote in this, from this book, but a, a huge, like a, a moment and point for me that was like, aha, right, this is very true, is that we are also – and it's difficult, but other people are entitled to how they feel mm -hmm. and are entitled to their own boundaries as well. And those also have to be respected. And it has to be reciprocated, right, Res you know, both ways. And I just – sometimes I forget that. I'm not going to lie. Sometimes I forget – that even though in my mind I feel like something is right and I feel like something is like – no, it's black and white. Like it's right or it's wrong. Mm -hmm. um, and like we need, to, we need to talk about this. Like I don't understand why you think that way. <laughs> Ugh, I'm pushing boundaries, especially when I say something like that. Like people are allowed to think or have their own experience of a situation. And I was like, damn – you're right, Nedra. <laughs> You're so right. I know. That's why she's been doing it for over a decade, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I, I know we started diving like deep, deep into this book, but I did want to read something from the book and from the intro because, um, you know, maybe like folks who are, are listening to us, you know, how do you know – that you need boundaries. Like, mm -hmm. I guess that's like, that's the first thing. And Renee, you sent me Nedra's Instagram post first and, and you were kudos to choosing this book and just seeing something there like this sounds like something that we should read. <laughs> um, and that first post I think you sent me from Nedra was signs you need boundaries. Yeah. Um, okay. I'll just read through it. You feel overwhelmed. You feel resentment toward people for asking for your help. You avoid phone calls and interactions with people you think might ask for something. You make comments about helping people and getting nothing in return. You feel burned out. You frequently daydream about dropping everything and disappearing. <laughs> you have no time for yourself. 
I can probably say I've experienced at some point in my life, sometimes at the same time, all of those bullets. Likewise. (laughs) Definitely all in their own moments and sometimes several, if not all at once. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. Part like guilty, guilty, check, check. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh gosh. Um, Okay. So I want to hear from you because there's so many of them. What were some whoa moments to quote yourself? Ooh, some whoa moments. Um, Recognizing uh, moments where I had unknowingly crossed boundaries in the past, all of those were whoa Mm. moments for me. Because like most people, you try to be a kind person. So whenever it's brought to your attention that you've maybe not been the best, it's not great. Um, Those were whoa moments. Other woe moments for me, like I said at the beginning, I knew that work and time boundaries mm. are something that I need to work on. And one of the one of the things she says about work, you know, when people take on a lot of work, whether and I don't when I say work, I don't mean exclusively at a day job. That's not what I'm talking about. Work can be mm. work in the household, work in your entrepreneurship, you know, just I, I mean a broader definition of work. I'm not dumping on like nine to fives by any means. But one of the things she says, which really was a woe moment to me, was the more you appear to handle, the more work you'll be expected to handle. Ugh. And <laughs> that sentence kind of stopped my heart when I read it because so many people, and I think women in particular, well, I don't know, let me not gender it. So many people, regardless of gender, take on different roles in their life, whether it's like the provider of your family, the patriarch, matriarch, whether it's just tasks at a job, at a, you know, kind of formal work place, whether it's your role as a caretaker or or other things. And when you don't speak up and white knuckle through too much, you then set yourself up to always be in that cycle because now people can say, well, Renee, you are managing ex-relatives at home care Mm. all of last year. Why isn't a problem all of a sudden? Or you've been managing this many tasks on the job. Why all of a sudden are you saying that it's too much? And it was really, whoa, to again, realize so much of the situations you get into are me making my own bed. I have falsely or not set a precedent of being able to manage a certain amount. And so now I am expected to manage that amount. And that's why it's so important to set that boundary early so that you're not Mm -hmm. misdirecting people because you were setting a standard that was never realistic or sustainable from the start. So that was a big one for me. And it, it goes, that last thing you said stretches across like all of these relationship dimensions Mm -hmm. or dynamics, Uh, like a work one, especially when you're maybe like, you know, earlier in your career 
and you are trying to prove yourself. I think we have all been there at some point in time. We still may be in that phase in our careers and maybe not even, sorry, not just careers, but just, I'll start with careers and I'll talk about like a a relationship, for example, where you're just constantly like, I need to prove to them this. I want to get a raise. I want to be promoted. And so you're constantly always taking things on. And then at the early stages of like, let's say a relationship or even like a friendship too, you are working to get them to like you, Mm -hmm. right? Sometimes, you know, you're like, let's say they're an avid hiker and they're super adventurous and like adrenaline quote junkie. Um, and you want them, you want to connect with them and you have such a good time with them that you end up doing it, but it's not actually something that you like. necessarily. You're like, okay, I can handle an adrenaline rush like once every quarter. (laughs) I can't be, (laughs) I can't be like jumping off planes and then bungee jumping and like, you know, um, you sort of set yourself up for failure because you're not being honest about what you can handle. Um, what what you can can continue to. Yes. Yeah. Um, so one of the best pieces of advice or just uh, illuminating notion um, was my friend Lauren. I'm going to shout her out. Uh, Well, a friend, but at the time she was my, well, this company didn't believe in managers. So she was my coach. Has to be another episode. But so my coach quote, Lauren, hello, Lauren. One of the best things she's ever said to me because I in that category of like, take on, give me, give me, give me. I can handle it. It's fine. I'm just going to shut up and do it because I don't see another way out. She said to me, if you are constantly doing that and you're constantly juggling all of these things, you're constantly juggling all of these balls and you don't drop them and not one of them drops, they're never going to know. You have to drop a ball. Mm. And maybe not make it be like a ceramic one or like a really fragile one, but you got to drop a couple of the things to show in a good way that you it, it, this is not sustainable. Mm-hmm. No one should be required or expected to juggle this. And they can't see that unless you drop a ball and or hopefully don't ever get to that point. And follow Nedra's advice and set your boundary in the beginning. And I don't know, I maybe I'm 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 speaking for both of us, but please let me know if you feel differently. But as ambitious, hardworking, driven people, human, women, we want to prove ourselves. We want to work hard and we want to do really great things. And so we, we do just take it on. Sometimes I take it on because I actually enjoy it. And then I don't realize that it's actually really bad for me until halfway in. Mm -hmm. Um, But other times I also just have the, an obligation. I just feel very obligated. Um. Yeah. And for me, the obligation stems a lot from like my personal life. I just feel obligated to show up constantly for everyone in my life 
because I don't ever want to be perceived as selfish or, uh, you know, doesn't want, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like selfish or doesn't want to be with their family or doesn't, is not interesting or interested is not fun. Like I, I, and I, I'm still very guilty of this, get hung up on, if I don't do this, how am I being perceived? Yeah. And it's, it's hard too, because it's the same skill set that you've already mastered in a different area of your life. And it's Mm. just learning to apply that to the areas where you have trouble. And that's, that's so much Mm. easier said than done because I'm like you, like, I remember romantic advice I got from an older woman ages ago, which made so much sense. She said, don't start something in your relationship that you're not prepared to continue forever. And Mm. that makes sense. Like I would never start a relationship cooking dinner for my boyfriend five nights a week unless I Mm. thought I was going to do that for the rest of my life. Because then he's going to wake up one day and say, remember when he used to cook dinner every night? And now like, I'm lucky if I get it once or twice a week. So even though you're super excited at the beginning and you want to like wow him and be this just amazing woman in his life, stick to the two because that's (laughs) something you know you can continue. And then sprinkle in some little special surprise moments here and there. Like no one's saying that you shouldn't put in extra effort early on when you're building something, but don't set that precedent. And for me, that that makes total sense. Again, I would, I know what I can like sustain in a relationship. So I would not do anything crazy at the beginning that felt unmanageable. It's mm-hmm. a skill that I feel pretty comfortable in, in that arena. Now you take me into like work, which is the same thing. Why would you take on all that work? Well, I'm a new employee and I have to show them. And you know, this is how we build trust because it's the beginning. And it's like a whole different script in my mind for an identical situation that I am forgetting I already have the tools mm-hmm. to deal with. And like you said, I, th- I think a lot of it comes from ambition. A lot of it comes from people pleasing, um, speaking for myself, that shows up mm. in different ways where I don't want to let people down. I I don't want to be perceived as selfish. Like, yeah, I don't, if I see people working late, I don't want to say, "Well, good luck, guys. Bye." <laughs> you know, I'm like, let, "How can I help? <laughs> what are you like? We're all in this together." And sometimes to the point where I'll say, "Oh no, I'll do it. You go live your life. I'll take it on." And then I've taken it on for so long that I realize I'm not living my life the way yeah. that I should because I've been get too kind to you. Yeah. Um, which again is no one's fault but my own um, many of the times, but yeah. it, it is just kind of frustrating, at, but eye-opening that I know how to do this. I just know how to do mm-hmm. it better in other arenas and I just haven't practiced doing it in like certain spaces more. Um, you touched on this too, of like the people pleasing and sort of like, what's the root of some of the decisions we make that, you know, we may be setting healthier boundaries in this arena and not so much in this arena. And she talks a lot about this in the book and that's, it's very fear-based. Um, and 
maybe the, you know, I can, I can definitely think of examples where my boundary, I have not, I did not set boundaries or I diminished my own boundaries in a work setting because they were all driven by fear, right? Like fear of like losing my job Mm. or fear of not growing in my career enough to get to a certain point in my life or, you know, like you begin to like spiral with these thoughts and a lot of it's like rooted in fear and insecurity. And so we just sort of like ignore the red flag of like what's happening and ignore what we might know intuitively because our bodies and our minds have been like taken over by fear. Mm-hmm. Um and I mean, I can say I, I'm I can see how some boundaries may be getting crossed in certain jobs right now because of this wave of layoffs that are mm-hmm. happening across industries, especially tech, big tech. Um, and it's scary to think about. And so that f- I can imagine and I can relate to that fear right now of like, oh, well, typically my boundary is I stop working at five or I do not accept um, anything over, you know, 90%, 95% of capacity because I know that that's crossing a boundary for me and I need to show up in other parts of my life. Mm-hmm. And then you hear about layoffs and you hear about how it's difficult to find a job, especially if you're in a certain part of job, like AI is also taking jobs. Like there's just media narrative. There's just like a lot of anxiety right now. And that I know for me is even affecting how I set my boundaries. I'm like, well, okay, I can get a little flex. I mean, I guess I can take on this project because I know we just lost um, somebody on our team and, you know, we can't pay to backfill it. So I guess I'll step up. Yeah. And it's that language too. Like exactly that. It's not, I'm not crossing a boundary and putting myself in an unhealthy space. It's I'm stepping up. I'm rising Uh. to the occasion. You know, it's like you're even redefining. And I'm not saying you because I do this stuff all the time. Like I mask behaviors that are ultimately unhealthy and not good for me with these positive pep up I'm stepping up. I'm showing my metal. I'm being a team player. And those things are true. I'm not saying that you should only look out for yourself. Clearly, that's like we're we're community social creatures. Like you should care about other people and you should keep that in mind for sure. But yeah, I think fear is a big motivator. I think also sometimes when you are around other people who have unhealthy boundaries, there's Mm. a fear that if I create healthy boundaries, but I'm being compared to someone who has unhealthy boundaries, I'm not going to measure up because they are willing to do things that might be running them ragged as well, but they're putting in that output or they're showing up to every single birthday party and event and I'm only showing up to 70%. And it's it's tough. It's it's tough to feel sometimes like you're in competition with someone mm-hmm. or a, a group that is 
doesn't have healthy boundaries or their definition of boundaries are just different from yours. Yeah. And, you know, she talks about this in the book, which I appreciate, is that it's not always your job to explain your boundaries to people because then one of the responses might be to rationalize your boundary away. And I say, oh, well, Melissa, let's talk through this. Let's debate how accurate that boundary is, or let me see if I can find some flexibility in you. But that's not my job. If you've determined that this is something that's important to you, or this is something that is a hard limit for you, just because it's not a hard limit for me, doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that I have a place to negotiate with Mm -hmm. you. Maybe I have a bigger social battery and you're like, no, I need to rest. Whereas for me, I'll keep going and and we're different and that's that's fine. We can both be healthy in that space too, but just have different boundaries. It, yeah, the competition of stacking up to what other people are doing, I feel like that comes up a lot for me sometimes. And I think of that, my boundaries and, and some of the reasons why I I make them more porous than they should be. Uh, this is hitting a chord. <laughs> <laughs> in like a good way. I was going to say that. Of, a chord you want to move away from? Oh, or? no, 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 no. No, like a good chord. Like <laughs> okay. a good chord of like unpacking. We're surfacing good things. Like we're working through it. We're unpacking. And I've never – I mean, I guess I have like thought of it like this. But now having this conversation with new, with you has made it so much more clear and crystallize the defining the experiences that I've had. Mm. with being in groups of people who have unhealthy boundaries slash um, don't have boundaries at all slash have different boundaries. And yeah, because, I mean, we have this innate human need and want to connect. Mm -hmm. I have found myself to be more flexible in bad ways that harm me to appease and to like keep things cool and calm. And it's gotten me quote in trouble because the real Melissa can challenge in a good way mm-hmm. can, you know, it doesn't just like take things at face value. And so when they see like that different side of me or, or you know, I speak up and I'm like, actually, <laughs> actually, um, they're like, ah, what? Who is this? Yeah. What, what, uh, what's, you know, what's going on, Melissa? Um, even though I've known forever in a day that these boundaries were ones that I wasn't willing to cross and then I crossed them anyway. And here I am. And here we are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I feel like everyone everyone can definitely relate to that. I, speaking for myself, I definitely can. So hashtag relatable. Yeah. Um, one thing we didn't touch yet uh, is the chapter, and let me know if you have any like other thoughts on this around like social media and technology. Um, yeah. and I, I, we've had like off the pod conversations about these. And this is what, here's what this chapter like made me think about. Um, Like I was personally getting frustrated at my feed, (laughs) my Instagram Mm. feed, because I'm like, I don't understand why I'm being served the certain 
type of influencer, let's just say. And I want to like switch things up and diversify my feed. And like social is just like pissing me off. Like, I don't even know why I'm on here. You know, this is was was just in my head. Like everyone's fake. Like I don't understand. Blah, 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 blah. And then I remembered, oh, I can mute people. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> like I can also hide ads. Yeah. FYI, if you didn't know how to do that, you absolutely have permission. And there are ways to communicate to Facebook and Instagram. Like, I don't want to see this and leave me alone. Um, sorry to all the paid social ad like strategists out there. But <laughs> <laughs> save your sanity. Um, and yeah, like you actually have and can have control over what you what you take in. Mm -hmm. And I was realizing like how bad, like some of the stuff that I was absorbing from Instagram or from social in general was making me feel. And then I have the power to like put my phone down and like step away from it. And boundaries are not also just relationships with people, but like relationships with things that like think like your phone, yeah, uh, social, um, even like exercising or food like there's boundaries can kind of touch a lot of things for sure I loved this chapter I I'm not someone who gets a lot of comparison envy on social media I know that's not the case for many people but mm -hmm. I I I think I've curated my feed my algorithm has tapped into me and it knows the kinds of things that I enjoy, I'll appreciate, and things that I find aspirational. And I, I just look at things in that way. Like they don't make me feel bad about my life if I don't have this bag or I don't have that glamorous vacation. It's more, for me, it's, if anything, it's more motivating. Like, oh, I, I want to work to get to that place where mm. I can have that glamorous vacation <laughs> all the time. <laughs> uh, I think what what really interested me in this was we talked about this in passing for half a second on our last episode, but we mentioned love languages. And I think I told you that words of affirmation is not my number one love language, although I love to give it to other people. But my number one love language is quality time. Mm. When I'm with someone, I feel so much love and belonging and connection if we can give each other our undivided attention and just be present. And in an age of social media and technology, mm. it is the, I don't even want to call it a pet peeve because it's pet peeve makes it sounds like it just irks me. It actually really hurts me in a genuine way. If when I'm spending time with people close to me, they are consistently distracted by their phones and by social media mm. And I've known this. I've known this about you. Every <laughs> dinner, every dinner, every meal we've shared. <laughs> you see, this is the Leo in me. The Leo in me is like, I don't necessarily need you to praise me all the time, but I need you, I need an audience. Like I need you to pay attention to me. <laughs> pay attention to me and I will pay attention to you. And it like oh, it I love doesn't that so much. Yeah. I'm like, I just I can't with the 
we're on the phone all the time or if in the middle of us speaking, it's hold on a second. Wait, wait, wait. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, okay, so you're speaking to someone else when they're in the middle of a conversation. I understand that. This is a boundary. Happen. Yeah. I understand boundary, that things Renee. happen, I love it. you know, like you have a child, you can't just like not pay attention to your child because we're hanging out or you have other responsibilities in life. You have other people that you want to check in sometimes with on your phone if you're spending mm-hmm. a whole day with someone. But the technology thing, yeah, it really hit me in that way because I, many people close to me have a hard time separating. And, and I feel that absence in my mm-hmm. real relationships if if that's not there. I've also caught myself just it's like my fingers get on autopilot where sometimes I will close Instagram and immediately find that it's open again. Not because I had a conscious thought that I want to spend five minutes checking what people are doing on Instagram. Cause I think that's fine. If you want to take a mental break from what you're doing to get mm-hmm. some inspiration online, see what your friends are doing. I, I I'm a, I think social media can be very positive. I mean, I'm, I'm an immigrant. I'm yeah. from Jamaica. That's how I I see what's going on in my family's lives all the time. So I'm not, I don't blanket hate social media, but I do recognize the ways that sometimes technology just has my, my fingers even on autopilot, which Mm. is the antithesis of this podcast (laughs) is to be very conscious and intentional and be in the driver's seat. And, And I recognize sometimes with social media and technology, how, how it can slip me into another kind of autopilot where I just, I meant to go on YouTube for 15 minutes and hmm. here we are three hours later, <laughs> you know? <Guilty. laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, if we're sharing love languages and I'll get back to the book, mine is number one is acts of service. I knew it. If <laughs> <laughs> you are out there and you know me and you love me, my love language is acts of service. That's how I like to receive love and give, actually. I think um, acts of service and quality time Um, or maybe words of affirmation. But definitely number one is acts of service. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I wanted to share a couple of things like my – a couple of my woe. Um, I might have touched on these, but, you know, as I was reading, the whole thing about – setting boundaries and this like discomfort within that she talks about how that is like a feeling that you're just going to have that you can't run away from and that um there's no such thing as like guilt-free boundary setting yeah that's something i feel a lot and it just made me feel better to sort of like read that and she says it multiple times in this book sometimes when things are just like repeated constantly in a book i'm like okay okay i get it but for some reason, the way that she has written these, outlined these points, have written them in different contexts, provided like an example story, the the points that she get across did not feel like she was aggressively <laughs> trying to tell you and like shake you like, remember this. It was very much, I don't know, it just, she provided really good context for this. Um, and just the fact that you can't expect people – to self-correct and people can't just get it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But I think one thing that was mind-blowing for me was, you know, in our last episode, we talked about feedback and I made the statement, I hate vague feedback. Um, (laughs) 
I sounded just like that. <laughs> and when I was reading this book, connecting the dots, I realized how I've set boundaries before as well. And my boundaries should not be vague either. Ooh. I need to be clear. Snaps for that. So yeah, guilty Melissa about people self-correcting, just getting it. Isn't it common sense? Doesn't everyone do this? Isn't it just rude? Take a step back, take a humble pill. And I also need to be very clear and concise in my boundary setting and very similarly how I don't, and I hate, I'm sorry, I hate vague feedback. Um, my boundaries in the past have also been vague and therefore maybe that's why people have crossed and stepped on them. Mind blown, mind blown. (laughs) Another mind blow for me was the brief section on ultimatums. Mm. If an ultimatum is issued and not adhered to, it's a threat and people don't respect threats but they can learn to respect ultimatums. And I think Mm. that was really mind-blowing to me because there's so many times where in life you say, oh, if this happens one more time, I'm out of this relationship. Or if this happens one more time, I'm leaving this job or Mm. I'm not going to be friends with them anymore. And we have that, that scene, that monologue, that moment, 10 times, 20 times, 30 times. Mm-hmm. And it's not an ultimatum. You're just making idle threats and you've shown people that these threats mean nothing. Otherwise, you wouldn't still be here. And to her point, people don't respect threats. So if you're going to bring that energy of frustration or disappointment or whatever it is that's driving you to create an ultimatum, which ultimatums can be healthy, which she mentioned, but if you're at that point, You have to be prepared to honor that, Mm -hmm. you know? And I thought that was just a good reminder because sometimes, you know, you get in the heat of a moment and you make these big declarations and they don't go anywhere. (laughs) And if if you're not going to honor, which I think is what this whole boundary discussion is about as well, if you're not going to honor your words and your Mm -hmm. boundaries and let people know when they've crossed them, then they are not going to honor and respect your words or your boundaries. Like you have to model the behavior that you want to see. And if I want you to respect my boundary, when you cross it, I have to be firm. I remember one of her examples, which felt a little extreme in the book, but after sitting with it for a moment, I thought, no, that's not extreme. That's just being respectful to yourself. She says, for example, if so, if you set a boundary with someone that they have to call before they come over to your house, they can't just drop by unannounced, mm-hmm. that when that person shows up, you don't let them in. You don't say, oh my gosh, my house isn't clean yet. I'm not ready. Sorry, I wish you'd called. You have to be mm. firm and leave them on the porch and say, I'm so sorry. I wish you – actually, I don't think she includes the apology. That might be me like – adding my own people-pleasing dialogue to the script. <laughs> but I think, Oops. I think she says the response is, as we discussed, you have to let me know before you come over. Let's set up a time for you to come over another time and I'll be happy to have you over. And the door closes. 
It's not Mm -hmm. a slam. It's not rude. It's not disrespectful. But if I let that person into my home, they're not going to feel any need to start calling in advance because I let them in anyway. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just a good reminder for other instances that if you're not respecting the boundary, you can't expect someone else to respect it. So again, like what you mentioned at the beginning, Melissa, so much of this work really starts with you, which is scary, but empowering, Mm -hmm. depending on how you look at it. (laughs) But it it is kind of wild that I... I am really in way more control <laughs> than I think in, in a lot of these situations. Yeah. I've, I'm going to try and channel it being empowering. Mm-hmm. And this is really what we've learned and what we're going to continue to learn. I know we've joked about like, or I've joked, like, I'm going to keep this book on my bedside. And like, it's a bedside book. Like, it's it's not a just set it and forget it, put it back in my bookshelf. That was a nice read. It's a, oof, I'm feeling a type of way. What does Nedra say about this? <laughs> and just constantly like referring to it. About, uh, you know, a boundary quote Bible, if you will. Yeah. Um, and yeah, erring in the side of empowerment. And that in order for me to curate, to develop, to live the life that I want and have my boundaries respected, it all starts, it all stems and all starts for me of, of setting the stage. And how, how can I do that on an everyday basis with not only my relationships personally, how I am at work. Um, and I'm not doing, you know, I think f- for me, a lot of this, like, am I, am I, am I being rude? Am I going to be perceived like this? Blah, 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 blah. Like all of these thoughts that we're all, all having, um, just trying to sort of get rid of the noise, like manage the discomfort, like get through the discomfort because on the other end of that is going to be much better. It's like be uncomfortable for two minutes, setting the boundary, have like a 50 plus wonderful relationship with this person. <laughs> yeah. And and I think whatever you're piloting, again, whether it's professional, a change in your personal life, just a different mindset, new habits, rituals, whatever that looks like, having healthy boundaries just sets you up to be in the, the best frame of mind, the best mm. emotional safety and comfort to tackle whatever new change you're going to go through because change is hard regardless. And Mm -hmm. whatever you can do to make it easier, make sure that you have set up your relationships in a way that they don't add additional stress to whatever stress is inherent in starting something new or making a pivot it's it's only going to help you and it's going to help the people around you. So I, I agree with you, Melissa. I think to view this book as an empowerment manifesto to remind yourself mm-hmm. of the ways, remind myself of the ways that I am in control of my – not in control of my relationships, but I have a lot of control over the direction of my relationships, mm-hmm. over – certain circumstances over certain stresses. We didn't talk about this and this is probably a whole separate episode, but 
the relationship between boundaries and mental health issues and how that can kind of bleed into depression Mm -hmm. or anxiety or depression and anxiety can exacerbate boundary issues. You know, I think just the more that we can do when we can to set ourselves up well, just puts us in a better place to, to do the things we want to do to advocate for the kind of life that we want to live. It's the um, ultimate self-care. It is the ultimate (laughs) self-care, period. Period. And that shall be another episode one day. (laughs) Probably a lot of uh, topics that we're going to talk about. I'm sure we're going to reference back and um, be centered around some of the topics that were discussed in this book. Mm -hmm. But great suggestion. Kudos to Renee for suggesting our first book review, book club moment. Kudos Um, to my friend, Emily. She recommended it to uh, me and shout out, Em. This was great. (laughs) Thank you, Emily. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. Well, let's talk about our gold stars of the week. I can go first. Do you want to go first? Okay. Yeah. Continuing the theme of self-care. So I don't know how popular these are in the U.S. I think if you spend a lot of time at immigrant markets, then you might be familiar, but steam eye masks. Have you ever used Mm. a steam eye mask, Melissa? No. (laughs) Oh my God. I'm going to mail you a box. So I discovered them for the first time when I was in South Korea last year, but my friend says that he gets them all the time when he goes to Mexico. And we found them recently in New York. So they are these, I don't even know the material, but it's a soft kind of eye mask. And when you take it out of the packet, it warms on its own. It doesn't, it's not going to burn your skin. It doesn't get that hot, but it creates this warming sensation. Sometimes they're scented. I like the rose scent and it stays Mm. warm for about, 10 to 30, 35 minutes. And so oh, wow. if I'm real, they say 10 minutes, but I've had it stay warm for longer than 10 minutes. <laughs> Again, not uncomfortably, it's very soothing. I think if you look at screens all day, like you work at a computer, you're on your phone mm-hmm. all the time and you get eye strain of any kind, it's very relaxing for that. It's a great de-stressor. It's good if you have a little nap, like a short window for a nap and you need some help falling asleep quickly so you can maximize that 30 minutes, 45 minutes. You just put it on your eyes, the gentle scent of rose and the warmth. Mm. And they are so cheap. My favorite brand is called, I don't even know if I'm going to pronounce this right, Kao Megrhythm. I don't know. It's in Japanese and someone said that. <laughs> that put was in the, the show notes, Renee. It's put it in, in the show notes. notes. <laughs> but if you ever come across these steam eye masks, they're disposable. They are really cheap, and it's just like a small self-care moment. So that's my gold star to steam eye masks. I like it. I thought for some reason you were talking about like the steaming facials. And I was oh. like, oh, maybe it just like goes to the eye. And I was like, okay, let me just listen to what Renee's saying. Yeah, it's like but an no. eye mask you put on like on the airplane or to sleep, but just that cheaper sounds- material and like my alley. a more therapeutic experience. Yeah, it's great. Fun fact, I have to sleep with an eye mask Aww. every night now. That <laughs> is I, – I can't fall asleep without my eye mask anymore. Um, okay, my gold star is totally in a different direction. I think I could 
label this as self-care because taking care of your money is self-care, is a version of self-care. And it actually, again, kudos to Renee. (laughs) I'm getting so many shout outs. So many words of affirmation. (laughs) I'm getting, I'm hitting quality time box and words of affirmation in this podcast. Um, But it was the introduction to high yield savings accounts. And yes, bless the high yield savings accounts. Um, I'll try to make it quick, but essentially it's different than the savings account that you might just have in your regular bank when you have a checking and savings, those only accrue like 0.01%. It's really low, really low interest. So low. You're like, great. Thanks for the penny, Wells Fargo. Um, (laughs) But these high yield savings accounts, they are like their annual percentage rate is what? They're up at like yours is like 4%. Mine at Ally is like a 3.85. I also have one at American Express for like 3.9. And so that's a well over 0.01%. And it's just money that you can put in a savings account that is accruing way more interest and you don't really have to, to do much. So it's just another way of investing and probably one of the quote, like lowest hanging fruits of investing. Yeah. I actually heard someone describe a high yield savings account recently as passive income. Again, not Mm. passive income that is going to pay your mortgage. But if you have, you think about it, say it's 3%, 4%. If you have $1,000 in a savings account, that's 40 extra dollars Mm -hmm. that year. And you know, it fluctuates. If you have more money, obviously you'd have more. Yeah. So that's just easy money that you are already saving that's building on top of it. So great. And some of these, like I'll give another gold star to Ally um, because I like the way that they have their buckets set up. So you can like, you know, some of these have just like a, you know, lump sum. This is your savings, high yield savings account. So your money accrue. Um, but ally, you're able to say like, oh, I want to save for a car and Christmas gifts and this and this. And you can have up to 10. And for the the folks out there who like organization, ally. <laughs> ally, baby. Good to know. Um, all right. So what I can – and I can go first in this round. So okay. we're going to end on our manifest sesh here. And I'm, I'm going to pull it from the book. And this is what I'm going to be manifesting this week. We can't create more time, but we can do less, delegate, or ask for help. It's simple, yet so impactful. And as someone who's like, there's just not enough time in the day. Um, How many times do I say that? No, there's no way that I can create more time, but I'm able to spend my time more wisely by doing less and for asking for help. I you I think you consistently have A plus manifest. <laughs> like honestly, your manifestations are so great. I'm all every time you say them, I get chills a little bit. That's that can you read it one more time? <laughs> Absolutely. We can't create more time, but we can do less. Delegate or ask for help. Ooh. I like that. That's great. I need great. to do that. <laughs> uh, mine is a little different. Also connected to the book though. So my biggest thing is 
I always wish I had a little more discipline. Again, some areas in my life, mm-hmm. I have great discipline. Some, I am a total hedonist and just do whatever <laughs> I feel like when I feel like. <laughs> There's just no boundaries. <laughs> so um, one of the things the book says is, you know, she mentions that a lack of self-discipline is symbolic of a lack of self-boundaries. Mm-hmm. And it reminded me of one of my favorite quotes from a philosophy class I took in college. Um, The quote is by Aristotle and it says, through discipline comes freedom. And at the time I didn't really get it because I thought, why is putting all these rules and restrictions, how is that freeing? Oh my goodness. But if you think about it, like through discipline with health, that gives you freedom in your life to like live longer, do different things with like a healthy body, et cetera through discipline with your, you know, emotional space and your boundaries that gives you more freedom to enjoy relationships without Hmm. putting yourself in a place to constantly feel taken advantage of or overstretched. And I just think the more I think about it is that like, I really want to work on discipline because through discipline comes freedom and freedom is a key value. That's like a core value for me. So that's my manifestation. That was freaking good. Are you kidding me? And hey, Aristotle, (laughs) (laughs) not me. (laughs) But no, props to you bringing that to light. And a the fact that you remembered that from a philosophy class in college. I can't even like tell you what classes I took in college. It was a great class. It was like a freshman seminar where you got access. All the freshmen had these little seminars where you got access to a higher ranking faculty member in a Mm. smaller group setting. And I love that. I just took it because it wasn't really related to my major. And he was such a cool guy. And I, I like thought experiment mm-hmm. philosophy stuff. So it was it was a great course. I don't remember all the other classes, but that one I definitely <laughs> remember. Well, snaps and claps to these uh, to these manifests this week. Those were good. Yeah, good ones. And thank you um, to our lovely uh, author Nedra Glovatawab for writing this amazing book that I think is really just going to help a lot of people. It's already helped me and I think will continue to help me. So appreciate you sharing your wisdom with the masses like this. Yes. Thank you. Um, I know that she's got another book, I think that's about to be released or has been released already. So we'll share that in the show notes as well. It may end up back on the pod. Um, but also a huge thank you to everyone who's listening to our friends, our family, to folks that we haven't met yet, but, uh, would love to meet one day. (laughs) Yes, please appreciate your support. And if you have any books that have helped you that you want to recommend to us for future, Mm -hmm. future book club episodes, uh, just let us know. I think our emails in the show notes are just send us a text if you know us. <laughs> yes. And and one day we can read them all together. Yes. That would be great. Extend our book club. Um, well, thank you for another lovely, illuminating, mind-blowing, thought-provoking, heartwarming conversation, Renee. Um, I'll see you next week. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Stay hydrated. Bye. Bye. Bye.